The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. How do you make big decisions in your life? When you're faced with a fork in the road and you have two options of what to do, how do you know which road to take? Wouldn't it be way easier if you can just leave making big decisions up to flipping a coin? Heads is yes, tails is no. I'm sure some of you guys are thinking right now, I wonder if I should go to White Spot after the service. Anyone thinking that right now? Yeah, a couple of you? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, wouldn't it be way easier instead of like arguing with your friends or your spouse, be like, let's just flip a coin, all right? So you flip the coin and you do it. Yes, we should go to White Spot. It's all over, we just go, that's it. Wouldn't it be way easier if we can just do that? Well, what about, what about things in our lives that um, have bigger consequences? Okay, so I'm thinking, my wife's birthday's coming up in September, and I'm thinking to myself, should I spend a lot of money on Carrie's birthday gift? It'd be a lot easier if I can just flip a coin and find out. So I'm praying, God, you know how much my wallet can hold. No, thank you, Lord, yes. My prayers worked. Well, what about, what about some, what if we up the ante just a little bit more? What if I'm dealing with a big question like, should I find a new church to work at? Ooh, okay, well, let's, let's find out what the coin says, shall we? You guys ready for this? This could be bad. Okay, let's go two, best two out of three on this one. Okay, you ready? Okay, this will be my last sermon at Broadway Church. <laughs> Wouldn't it be just so much easier if we can just leave our future up to fate where we didn't have to make a decision? Have you ever thought to yourself when you're, when you're faced with a fork in the road, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder what God's will is for my life in this situation. Wouldn't it be way easier if knowing God's will was as easy as heads or tails? Well, throughout my life, I've struggled with a lot of forks in the road, and I'm sure many of you have as well. When I was in high school, the big one was, should I work for a year after I graduate, or should I go straight into college when I graduate? That was a big one for me. It would have been a lot easier if I knew what God wanted me to do in that situation. When I was dating my wife, Carrie, uh, it would have been, I, I, I would have been really easy if I knew, like, God, is, is Carrie the one? Like, should I propose to her? Is she the one that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And after we got married, it would have been really nice to have a black and white answer uh, when we were asking, okay, should we invest a bunch of our money into a house in this housing market that we can't really afford? God, what do you want me to do? Oh, when making big decisions in your life, it would just be so much easier if we just knew what God wanted us to do. It would just be so easy if we just knew what he wanted us to do. What big decisions have you been faced with in your life up to this point? Maybe it's, do I take this new job offer? Or do I marry this person? Maybe it's, do I retire early? Or do we sell our house? Or should we have another kid? Most people in this room have asked many of those exact questions about situations in your life. And so when you're faced with this fork in the road, when a decision needs to be made, how can we know what God's will is for our lives? How can I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God wants me to do? 
I may know what I want to do, but how do I know what God wants me to do? It's actually a really confusing subject for uh, many, many Christ followers because um, it deals with real life situations and it can cause real life consequences. And many people, especially millennials, people under the age of 35, are paralyzed with uncertainty about what to do next in their lives, fearing that they're going to make the wrong decision. And I've been working with teenagers and young adults for many years now, and if I had a nickel every time I heard the question, how do I know God's will for my life in such and such a situation, I would be filthy rich right now. Everybody's asking it. So this morning, we're going to go on a little journey and find out what the Bible says about it. And in order to answer that question best, uh, we're actually going to find out some background information. And as your outline says, you'll see under God's wills, God's will is separated into three different parts. Part number one, as your outline says, is the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. Now the unique quality in the sovereign will of God is we have no input in this part of God's will. We have no input, we have no say in this part of God's will. If you boil down the word sovereign, if you don't know what that word means, it means the one who is in control. So the sovereign will of God are the things that God will do no matter what, because he's in control of everything. You don't have to pray for God to do these things. He's just going to do them whether we like it or not. Here's some examples. It's God's sovereign will that the sun will rise every morning. It's his sovereign will that the ocean currents will continue to stir. It's his sovereign will. He chose, because he's in control of all things, that we would live here on planet Earth, Earth, not Venus, not Jupiter, not Pluto, although that'd be cute because, you know, it's a tiny little planet. But it was his sovereign will that we would live here. It was also God's sovereign will that he was going to send Jesus to the earth to die for our sins 2,000 years ago. And he was going to do that because he's in control whether we like it or not. He didn't give us a say. He was going to do it regardless. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the set time had fully come, when God wanted to do it, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. He was going to send Jesus, God was going to send Jesus on his time, when he wanted, because he wanted, regardless of me or you. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, we're not going to read it this morning. You can read it by, uh, on your own. You can grab a Bible from the pew in front of you if you don't have a Bible. But the Bible explains that we're all going to be judged by God according to what we've done. Did you know that? And this judgment isn't going to happen because, um, because we asked for it to happen. I hope we haven't asked for it to happen. And God's not going to change his mind on this because if, we, if we pray and ask him not to judge us. He's going to do it because he's going to do it. Because he's in control. Because he's sovereign. And there's nothing that we can do about it. There are just certain, thing that, th- certain things that God is going to do no matter what. These things aren't dependent on, um, on our obedience or our faith. He's just going to do them because he's in control of all things. That's the sovereign will of God. But here's the cool part. God accomplishes his sovereign will through people. He accomplishes his sovereign will through people. When he sent Jesus to the earth, to die for us, he chose a woman, a person, a woman. 
And he, and he said to Mary, that's what Jesus' mother's name, and he said, Mary, I want you to bring Jesus into this world. See, God chose Mary to accomplish his sovereign will. So how does that even apply to us today? Well, if God accomplishes his sovereign will, the things that he's going to do no matter what, through people, then as Christ followers, the more familiar the more familiar we become with God's sovereign will and what God plans to do no matter what, the easier it becomes to identify his will in our lives. The more familiar we become with the things that God's going to do no matter what, the easier it's going to become for us to identify his will and what he wants us to do in our lives. Okay, so today we're talking about God's will and how do we know what to choose. How do we know what God wants us to choose? And part one of God's will is his sovereign will. The things that he's going to do no matter what. And we have no input in them. Okay, number two, as your outline says, is the moral will of God. The moral will of God. Now the unique quality in the moral will of God is the fact that we can fail this part of God's will. We can fail. We can mess this part up. The moral will of God is the way that God commands us to live. His moral will shows us how life works best. And these commands, they aren't secret. His moral will is actually hidden throughout the Bible. If you've looked through the Bible, if you've studied the Bible, you know that his moral will, he teaches Christ followers how to live. It's throughout the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have a specific example of what God, how God commands us to live. And he says this, Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Here we find out that God wants us to have sexual purity. It's the moral will of God. It's how he wants us to live. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul continues and he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, another specific example of an aspect of his moral will. The fact that God wants us to live with thanksgiving no matter what. That's just how he wants us to live. Another example, Colossians chapter 3 says this, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Again, specific examples of how God wants us to live outlined in his moral will for our lives. And it's all in the Bible that we all have access to. If you don't have a Bible, like I said, you can reach out into the pew in front of you. You can take that Bible. It's our gift to you. And the Bible, it's, it's really our, our moral compass uh, with, about how God wants us to live. Chris Russell, who's a longtime pastor and church planter, he says this. This is an interesting quote I read a couple weeks ago. He says this, People don't realize that 98% of God's will for our lives is already outlined in God's word through his sovereign and moral will. People are always asking, what does God want me to do? What, what choices do you want me to make? What, what, how does he want me to live? Chris Russell says 98% of that is outlined in the Bible. He explains through his sovereign and moral will. The Bible is our main navigation tool that we need when discerning the will of God, when finding out when God wants us, what God wants us to do. Through his sovereign and moral will, we find out that the Bible says that he gives us the big picture of our lives. 
And he says the big picture, what I, the ultimate goal of your life is to have a relationship with God and to be saved. God explains in the Bible how we should act and what we need to get rid of in our lives and how our attitudes should look. God explains through these first two wills, and it's all found in the Bible, what he's going to do no matter what and how he wants us to live. If you compare God's will to building a house, God's sovereign and more will, it gives us the foundation, the framework, the drywall, the plumbing, and the electrical in our house. It's, it's really the main structure and the guts of our house. It's 98% of our house, really. And now we get to choose the colors, the furniture, and the decor. Which leads me to number three on your outline where we're going to be spending a little bit more time this morning. And it's the personal will of God, as your outline says. The personal will of God. Now this is where things get a little bit confusing because of this unique quality of the personal will of God. The unique quality is this. We can choose this part of God's will. We can choose, we have a choice in this part of God's will. Now it's within the guardrails of God's sovereign and moral will that our, the plan for our life is laid and our personal will, the things that we can choose, should never contradict uh, the first two wills that we outlined earlier. So if maybe you're asking the question, does God want me to pray for darkness all day because all I want to do is watch Netflix in bed? The answer is nope. Because that contradicts his sovereign will. Does God want me to steal food in order to feed my starving family? Well, no, because that contradicts God's moral will. Does God want me to hold a grudge even though I really want to against my friend who stole thousands of dollars from me? No, because that contradicts God's moral will. He commands us to forgive. Does God want me to move in with my boyfriend and, or girlfriend and, and live as though we were married? It means we can save more money. No, because that contradicts God's moral will and the way he wants us to live. You see, his personal will, the things that we can choose, it's usually an easy decision um, if it blatantly disobeys God's sovereign or moral will. But we all want to know, the answer, the question that I'm going to answer today is, what about when everything checks out, okay, we got two good options in front of us to choose from, not one is blatantly wrong, how do I know what God wants me to do? When I get to this fork in the road, how do I know which one to choose? Which one does God want me to choose? And in order to answer that question, we're going to walk through four filters this morning of filters that you need to go through when you're, when you're standing at this fork in the road. As your outline said, says, filter number one, you need to ask yourself, am I walking with God? Am I walking with God? I think you just need to honestly have, have an honest conversation with yourself and analyze where you're actually at in your relationship with God. Many times I talk to people and they're so confused about what God wants them to do. There's a number of good options on the table and they're anxious and stressed out which, about which one to choose. And the first question I ask is, how often do you spend time with God? Or maybe it's, when's the last time you read your Bible? Or maybe it's something like, what's, been, what's God been doing in your life? 
And it's not, it's not a guilt trip question. It's, I, it's, I'm not saying it because I want to make them feel bad. I want to see if they're walking with God or not. And 99% of the time when there's stress and anxiety and, and they're just indecision and there's so con- all this confusion, 99% of the time their answer is, I'm not wor- walking close to God. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. He paints a picture of a tree and its, and its branches in our, in our mind. He says, I am the vine, Jesus is talking, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, Jesus explains that he is our source in life. He explains that like a tree, if you break off the branch, if you cut off its nutrients and you cut off its source of life, that branch is going to die. The same way as Christ followers, if, if we're not connected to God, if we're not, we don't have a relationship with God, if we're not walking with him, we are not going to be, we are also going to die just like that branch. We need to be connected with him and allowing him to be the center of our lives. He needs to be our source and our strength. We need to have this dynamic relationship with Christ if we want to clearly know what his will is for our life. So I want to ask you this morning, are you walking with God? Are you close to him? Are you connected to him right now? Only you know, really. You can lie to me. You can lie to your friend. You can lie to your spouse. Only you'll know the answer to that question. When I close in a few minutes, I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to start your walk with God if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart before. But maybe you're sitting here and and you've accepted Jesus into your heart maybe months ago or weeks ago, but you've been on a path where you're making a lot of bad decisions. And you were once connected, but now you're not You're like that branch that's on the ground, not connected to the tree. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few moments to rededicate your heart to God. Because you know what? He accepts you no matter what. And I'm going to do that when I close in a few moments. But as your outline said, filter number one is you got to ask yourself, am I walking with God? And filter number two that you got to ask when you're standing at this fork in the road is, am I waiting on God? Am I waiting on God? John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice, they, I know them, and they follow me. I've been at Broadway for uh, just over six years now, and before I came here, I actually had a great opportunity to work at another great church. And I'd gone in for a few interviews, and to be honest, I really enjoyed what I, what I saw and what I heard. And the day before I was going into my third interview, and I was pretty sure I was going to get hired after that, the day, the day before my third interview, I just didn't feel right about pursuing this job. I don't know what it was. There wasn't any red flags. There was no tangible reason that I felt, that I felt this way. But just deep down in my heart, I just didn't feel right about it. it something wasn't sitting right with me. And as I was waiting on God, and that just means I was spending time. I was praying for God's guidance, and I was asking him to guide me in this situation. As I was doing that, I just didn't feel right about it. So I had to pick up the phone, and I called this church and explained, I, it's just, this is just not the right situation for me at this point in time. There was no reason. It's not because I hate somebody or something was annoying. I, it just didn't seem, it just didn't sit right with me. So I was in this, in this 
fork in the road where, where, I had these, where I had this decision to make. And either decision, it wasn't like a life or death decision. Either decision would have been okay. And it didn't go against God's sovereign or moral will. I had a choice to make. And I just knew I needed to wait on God. I knew I needed his guidance. I knew I needed to spend more time with him. And the fact is that our God, he's a personal God. He wants to guide your steps. He wants to speak to you. And by waiting on him, by spending more time with him, you get to know and recognize his voice better. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you came to church and you're like, this is exactly why I didn't want to come to church. Some guy up on the platform is talking about hearing from God and, and like all this. it's crazy talk. It's like, what does God even sound like? like? Does he sound like Darth Vader? You know, like, Luke, I am your father. Like, what, is, what does he sound like? Is it Morgan Freeman? That would be a pretty good God voice. Or maybe it's Sean Connery. Anyone know Sean Connery? That's a good, that's a good accent if you know who Sean Connery is. You got to YouTube it after. Well, the fact is, he doesn't sound, I don't think, like any of those people. And I've actually, um, I've actually never heard God's audible voice. He almost never speaks in an audible voice like he did to Moses in the burning bush. And I feel like if I did hear God's audible voice, I would be so scared out of my mind that I'd be running to a corner and like in the fetal position because I'd be so scared. But God speaks and guides us in different ways. And I realize that for myself, having peace or a lack of peace is how God guides my steps when I'm faced with big decisions. And I've held on to this verse in Philippians chapter 4 very tightly. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, with, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The way that, that we listen to God's voice and know where he's trying to lead us is by waiting on him. For me, he's, he guides my steps by giving me peace about decisions that I need to make. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, am I waiting on God? Am I spending time with him? Am I listening for his voice? Only you know the answer in your own life. Two weeks ago, I led a mission trip to the Yukon, and every year, Broadway Church has been going for 40, over 40 years now. We just brought a team of 29 people up to the Yukon. We ran this kids' camp, and at the camp, this is actually an actual picture of the climbing wall that they had at camp, and it is super high, and it wobbles, and it it is very, very scary. Okay, but every kid, they go up, um, they get their turn to go, um, to go up the climbing wall, and I'm encouraging these kids, oh, little Tommy, you'll be fine. It's safe up there. Just go and do it. Come on, you'll be good. Meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, that is a death trap up there. You would not catch me at anywhere near that climbing wall. But kid after kid would strap into the harnesses and make their way up the wall. And the belayers, who are the people at the bottom of the wall, attached to all the ropes to make sure the kids don't fall, they're called belayers. They would help guide the kids' steps. 
the belayers are standing at the bottom of the wall, and they see, they can, from their view, they can see every peg and every footrest, and they can tell how far the, the climber is from the top of the wall. They can see which, which rocks they can reach and which ones they can't. But if you're the one climbing up the wall, I don't know if you've ever been rock climbing before, your view is much different. You're right up against that wall. You're scared. You're kind of trembling. Your muscles are sore. You're looking. You can't really tell how far you are. You can't tell. Your depth perception is off. It is a way different view when you're actually climbing the wall. And at camp, (coughs) the belayers standing at the bottom, they would yell out to the campers and they'd say, okay, there's a rock right beside your right hip. Put your leg, put your foot, put your foot on it and push up. Okay, good. Now, there's another rock beside you. Put your left hand on it from support. Then there's another rock by your left foot. Put your foot on it. And then look up. There's a green rock up, up there. You don't think you can reach it, but you can. On three, you push up and you go and reach it. And the camper would push up and they can reach it. Because the Blair knew best. And when the campers trusted the Blair, things went a lot smoother than when they trusted their own instincts. Which leads me to filter number three, the third question we got to ask ourselves. And it's this, as your outline says, am I willing to trust God? Am I willing to trust God? The fact is that God sees the full picture. He knows what's best for us, even if we don't think that it's best. Proverbs chapter 16 says this, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. That word commit means to put all your weight on. To put all your weight on the Lord and your plans will succeed. So this verse is saying that if you put all your weight on God, if you unconditionally trust him in regards to your actions and your choices, then you will become someone who makes wise plans. If you unconditionally trust, then you'll, make, you'll be someone who makes wise plans. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 expands on that a little bit. And he says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so let's just be honest here for a second with with each other. Trusting God is very hard. It's hard because we don't see the big picture. It's hard because we want to control our actions and our choices, not unconditionally trust God with them. The fact is, is that it's just not very easy to trust God in all that we do. Because trusting God means surrendering what I want and what I think is best and saying yes to what God wants and what God knows is best. It's surrendering what I want and what I think is best and saying yes, God, to what you want and what you know is best. I want you to listen closely to the level of trust that Jesus had in God just hours before he was going to be crucified crucified in some of the hardest hours of his life. Luke chapter 22 says this. Jesus is praying to God and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is saying, God, don't let me go through this if I don't have to. But I want to do what you want me to do. If this is your will, I don't want my will to be done. I want your will to be done. He's saying, God, I fully trust you. So ask yourself again this morning, 
Am I willing to fully trust God in every decision that I make? I don't know if you watch hockey, but there's a, uh, there's a famous hockey player. His name's Sidney Crosby. And he's arguably the best hockey player in the world. And he's won practically every trophy that there is to win. He's won the Stanley Cup three times, and he was the youngest captain to win a Stanley Cup. He's won two Olympic gold medals and scored the golden goal here in Vancouver. How can we ever forget that? It was unbelievable. He's won multiple MVP titles and has led the league in goals and points uh, multiple times throughout his young, well, relatively young career. And he's currently on, get this, a 12-year, $104 million contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Must be nice. Hey, Sydney, must be nice. He's done it all, and he has it all. But you know what makes Crosby great? He understands that even with all these accomplishments under his belt, he hasn't arrived. He understands that there's still work to do. He can't just coast through the rest of his career and expect great things to happen. He's actually known as one of the hardest workers off the ice in the summertime. He's known as the person that puts in the most work, the hardest work, the most time to train and work hard during the summer so that he can compete in the winter. He realizes that there's always work to do. Which leads me to my final filter that we need to be asking ourselves this morning. Filter number four, when you're, when you're looking at this fork in the road, when, you're, when you have a decision to be made, you need to ask yourself, am I a work in progress? Am I a work in progress? Just like Sidney Crosby, Christ followers, if you call yourself a Christian, we've never arrived. A Christ follower can never and should never just coast through life. We are always a work in progress for God. Listen to what Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Did you catch that? He says, when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, when you're changed from the inside out, when God is working in your life, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That word transform means to change the condition or function or nature or character or personality of something. See, God wants a new you. Not, someone who not only looks different, but who acts different and who thinks different and who speaks different and who lives different. He wants a new you who's being transformed by the renewing of your mind from the inside out. And this is not a one-time event. It's not something that happens at summer camp and then you're good for the rest of your life. God wants to transform every part of your life. He wants to change you from the inside out. And it'll happen for the rest of your life because we should constantly be under construction. So let me ask you again. Are you a work in progress? What's the condition of your heart? Or do you have areas in your life that you're holding back from God that you're not giving to him? Maybe you've been a Christ follower for years or decades. Is there areas that you haven't given to God yet? Are you allowing God to change every aspect of your life? Are you allowing God to grow and shape you? 
Because when you're, when you're faced with this fork in the road and you have two viable options, when you're standing here at this fork in the road, you have these two options, and either options are okay, none of them uh, go against God's sovereign or moral will, you need to ask yourself these questions. You need to go through these four filters. And as your outline says, if you can honestly go through these, if you can go through these filters honestly and say yes to each one, God's will is whatever you desire. If you could honestly go through that checklist and, and check off every one of those four filters and say, yep, I'm walking with God, I'm waiting on God, I'm willing to trust him, and I'm a work in progress, then God's will is whatever you desire. You get to choose. And even if you don't have peace about one of the two decisions or three or four or five decisions, sometimes you just simply have to make a choice. And this is key. That choice will be the right choice because God's personal will for your life revolves more around who you are than what you do. God's personal will for your life revolves more around who you are than what you do. That's why these filters we walk through they're, they're asking, they're, they're poking at your relationship with God and how much of your life you're actually surrendering to him. Because if who you are is centered in Christ, then what you do will be centered in Christ. If you're allowing God to guide you, you will make the choices that God wants you to make. Which leads me to my big idea this morning. Every week at Broadway, we try to sum up the teaching into one sentence, one statement, and the big, big idea, as your outline says, is this. The closer you walk with God, the clearer his will becomes. The closer you walk with God, the clearer his will becomes. And so as we close here in a few moments, maybe you're here and you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, Lewis, you, have, you, you don't know me. You don't know my life. I've already screwed up so bad. I've already made tons of bad decisions. If God originally had a plan for my life, then I've definitely messed that up. If you're thinking that this morning, I want you to read this last verse with me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Paul says this, we know that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are chosen to be part of his plan. It says, God makes all things work together for good. Doesn't matter how broken your past was. Doesn't matter how bad you are right now. Doesn't matter what you did last year or last month, last week, or even last night. God can and he will use it for good. But, there's a but. This promise is only good for people who love God and have a relationship with him. <laughs>